Welcome to the city. Uh, my name is Brandon Gwynn, if we hadn't had a chance to uh, meet yet. And uh, I'm super pumped to be talking to you guys on the second week of the new series we started last week called El Nombre. And um, if you didn't know, uh, El Nombre is Spanish for the nombre. And in this series, we're talking about names of God. Uh, and throughout all of human history, really, your name meant something, really more maybe in, in older times, but you had a certain name for a reason. It said a lot uh, about you. Maybe you have one of those names that, you know, just has this deep meaning. I don't have one of those. My name is Brandon, which means broom, and that's not cool, right? Uh, but maybe, maybe you do. All throughout scripture, there's lots of different names for God. And each one of those names gives us a little bit more of a glimpse into his character and what he's, he's really like. And we should care about that. You know, we, we should want to know God better because if, if we don't learn about these attributes of God and his character and what he's like, we're, we're tempted to fall back on kind of making up a God in our own mind, like making God in our image. And that's a problem because he's, he's not like us. He, he's so much better. In, in my experience, the, the more we know about God and understand about his character, the more we love him, the more we want to serve him and the more we want to, to follow him. And uh, just to kind of give you a recap on what you missed last week, if you did, and if you did, I, I'd encourage you to go back and watch it uh, because it was so very interesting to me. This is the name that Clayton introduces to El Dea, the, the God of knowledge. And basically God knows everything, right? He knows everything there is to know, everything there, there was or is or could be or all the possibilities. He's omniscient. He is all-knowing. He knows everything there is to know. And, and one part I found just really interesting to me is like God knows the future, right? And so and we also have free will. So how do those two things kind of jive together? It's just super interesting. I'd encourage you again to go back and watch it if you missed it. But at the end, you know, we, he came back to, to this point. In an uncertain world, this world we live in where we're never sure and maybe we're going through stuff we don't understand, we can, you know, we can rest in the fact that we are with God and God knows. When I don't know, he knows. I'm with the one who knows. I know the one who knows. And that should bring us uh, some comfort. So that was last week. This week, we're going to be talking about this. El Imunah. El Imunah. God of, of truth. It may seem a little bit simplistic to say God is truth or God is true, right? But we're going to be working from uh, Wayne Grudem's uh, systematic theology uh, definition. Clayton shared some of this last week. That's where we're going to start today, too. And uh, here's how he defines God's truthfulness. It means that he is the true God and that all his knowledge and words are both true and the final standard of truth. So, so he's, he's the one true God, his knowledge and his words are true. They're, they're the standard of truth. We're going to be kind of unpacking this for a, a, a little bit today. And by the way, there's going to be a lot of verses, a lot of slides. So if you want to kind of stay up and, and stay engaged, I encourage you to uh, get, out, get out the app and go to the message notes. All the points are there. You can fill in the blank. All the verses are there. It's just super easy for you. So anyway, so let's kind of unpack this a little bit. The first one is he's the one true God. Like he is number one. He's, he's the God, big G, right? Every other God is a pretender, a wannabe, a, a little G God. Going back to Jeremiah chapter 10. But the Lord is the only true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. Say this to those who worship other gods. Your so-called gods who did not make the heavens and earth will vanish from the earth and from under the heavens. He's saying there's only one. 
God. All the others are so-called little G gods, pretenders. They're, they're counterfeit. He's, he's it. The one true God, not, not uh, uh, Buddha or Allah or some statue or animal or the sun or the moon or anything else in God's creation. Those aren't gods. The, the, the one true God is, is God, the creator, Yahweh. He stands alone. So the next part of it is his knowledge. His knowledge is true. I won't spend a lot of time here because Clayton covered it pretty well last week. But, but his knowledge is true. He, he knows everything. Job chapter 37. Listen to this, Job. Stop and consider God's wonders. Do you know how God controls the clouds and makes his lightning flash? Do you know how the clouds hang poised? Those wonders of him who has perfect knowledge. His knowledge is perfect. He knows how it all fits together. There's nothing that he doesn't understand. There's nothing that he gets wrong or is mistaken about. His knowledge is perfect. His knowledge is the standard of knowledge. So he's the one true God. His, his knowledge is true. And also his words are true. His words are true. He cannot lie. He, 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 he speaks the truth all the time. Hebrews chapter six. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it's impossible for God to lie. It's impossible for God to lie. Titus chapter one calls him the unlying God. Psalm 12 says his every word is pure and true. And then Jesus in John 17 says that his word is truth and it purifies us. His word is truth and not because they confirm some outside standard of truth, right? His words are the standard of truth. They are truth itself. Now this is important for us because, you know, if we're being honest, we all kind of have our own version of the truth, don't we? You know, in society today, you hear all the time, my truth or your truth or our truth. The problem with that is our truth isn't always true, right? We're all wrong about something. Now, let me, let me illustrate this for you. And this is a story I've been trying to work into a sermon for a long time. My wife is going to kill me. Uh, but about a year ago, my wife and I were, were at home. And, and by the way, if you don't know my wife, her name is Jennifer. She's just amazing. I, obviously, I think so. But if you don't know her, you should get to know her. She's just got this sweetness about her, you know, just, just innocence and like a purity. Like she's just so, so sweet. If you know her, you know what I'm talking about, but that's what makes this story all the, all the, the more funny. So we were, we're hanging out at the house and I noticed these birds coming in to our back patio and they would sit up on these, on the lights that we have hung there and they would just poop all over everything. You know what I mean? Like down the grill and on the table. And, and I, I couldn't deal with that. And so, uh, my solution was just kill the birds. Right. And so, by the way, if, if you're offended by a story, um, about bird killing, I don't know, maybe earmuffs for a minute, right? Cause, uh, some birds will die. So, so over the last couple of years, that was my solution to shoot these birds. And, and you, you can't just walk out there and shoot them. Like I had a whole process, like you had to be stealth about it. You know, I'd go into the garage and around to the side door and I had the, the BB gun, you know, and uh, I would take him out from there. So this, this day was like the other ones. This bird was, you know, it, it was over for this bird. So I, I'm in my, my position and I'm, I'm, I've got him in my sights. You know, like I'm, I'm like Chris Kyle, you know, like I'm, I'm sniping this bird. Like 
I, the long exhale and I slowly increase pressure on, on the trigger. And right before I shot this bird, I hear this bang, 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 bang on, on the patio door. And it's, it's hard to explain how all this happened because it all happened so fast, but it was, <laughs> it was, it was like, I'm, I'm about to pull the trigger. The bang happens. And then the bird starts to fly off and I pull the trigger and I nailed it. I mean, it just dropped so dead onto the ground. And at first I'm like, man, that, that's probably the best shot I've ever taken at anything. Right. But then I'm like, what in the world is she doing? And so I go into the living room, like, like, what? What, what, what was that? You know, and she's standing there by the back door like this. Like, and I was like, what? And she goes, I just scared that bird to death. And I, I was like, you did not scare that bird to death. Like I shot the bird and it fell, you know, like you, what do you think? Like every time a bird hears a loud noise, they're just falling from the sky, you know? And I'm like, yeah. How do you, how do birds, they don't even have ears. Do birds even hear? I don't think we know that yet, you know, but whatever the case, you didn't scare them. And if my truth hadn't come against her truth, she would have gone the rest of her life telling that story, right? Like, did I tell you about the time that I scared that bird to death? But it wasn't, it wasn't true. It wasn't true. I, I heard something this week and the second I heard it, I, I knew like, I'm never going to forget that. Like it's, it's going to stick with me forever. So, so profound when it comes to, to being right and being wrong. It was a TED talk and there was this lady that was asking the audience, what does it feel like to be, to be wrong about something? And she got answers like, well, it's embarrassing. It's, it's humiliating. And she said, no, no, that's, that's what it feels like to discover you're wrong. Being wrong without knowing it feels like being right. Let me say that again. <laughs> being wrong without knowing it feels like being right. That should scare all of us. And I hate to, to burst your bubble, but everybody here, 100% of us, everybody watching online, we're all wrong about something and not just one thing, right? We're, we're all wrong about lots of different things that we are convinced are right. We're, we're wrong. Why? Because we're human. And we're, we're fallible. We're not God. Our standard of truth is not the standard of truth. God's words are truth. And they are the standard of truth that we have to, to bring ourselves under. Now, because God is the one true God and his words are true and his knowledge are true, these other two things are true as well. First of all, he's faithful. God, God is faithful. He's not just faithful. He's the standard of faithfulness. Psalm chapter 31. You're my rock and my fortress for the honor of your name. Lead me out of this danger. I entrust my spirit to your hand. Rescue me, Lord, for you are a faithful God. God is faithful. He's incapable of, of letting us down, right? He's reliable. He keeps his promises. He always does what he says he will do. He's incapable of disappointing us. He is he's completely faithful. And he's not only faithful, he is also good. God, God is good. And he's not just a little bit good. He's all good. And he's the, the standard of goodness. Jesus said in Luke 
Chapter 18, why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is, is truly good. He is the standard of goodness. James chapter one says he's the, the source of all the good in the world. Hebrews 12 says even his discipline is an extension of his goodness. We serve a, a good God. It doesn't get any better. He's the standard of goodness, the standard of faithfulness, the one true God, big G and his words and, and knowledge are true. Now, He's a good father that loves us perfectly. And he, he can't let us down. We talked about he can't lie to us, right? It's impossible for him to lie. Uh, why, why is that? Because it would, it would go against his character. It would go against his nature. And he, he cannot and will not betray his own nature. Here's another way to look at it. It's not just how he is. It's, it's who he is. It's not just how he acts sometimes. These things are God, they are who he is. They come from him and he won't betray his own nature. Now, a little side note here. Uh, Wayne Grudem in, in the Systematic Theology book, he, he calls these attributes communicable attributes of God. Communicable. So what that, what that means is these are things that we can try to imitate, right? Things that, that we can do our, our, ourselves just and try to be more like God. Like there's some of his attributes that you can't do that with. For example, like his omnipresent, like he's everywhere all the time. We can't really do a lot with that one. But when we're talking about being true and good and faithful, these are things that we can impart, not perfectly, but we can impart, imitate. So, so here's a quote from the book. He says, the truthfulness of God is also communicable in that we can impart, imitate it by striving to have a true knowledge about God and about his world. In fact, as we begin to think true thoughts about God and creation, thoughts that we learn from scripture and from allowing scripture to guide us in our observation and interpretation of the natural world, this is, this is the part I want you to see. We begin to think God's own thoughts after him. So he's saying we, we should want a true knowledge about God. That's why we're even doing this series, right? To, to learn more about his character. And the more we do that and let scripture inform what we think about God and think about the world, we start to think like God thinks. And, and then when, when you go down that road of thinking like God thinks, what happens? You start to act like God acts. Like your thoughts lead to your actions. And, and it's kind of this, this process of, of growing in your relationship with God. It, these things are a natural byproduct, right? If you're walking with him, if you're praying, if you're reading your Bible, these things are going to get on the inside of you and you're going to start to grow spiritually. And God, over time, as you mature spiritually, will start to weed out things in your life that don't honor him, don't glorify him. And he kind of deposits these other things that do. The scripture calls them fruits of the spirit. You've heard, you've heard of this, Galatians chapter five. The Holy Spirit, which when we commit our life to Christ, we follow Jesus, we have his spirit on the inside of us that's doing this work in us. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These things are, again, a natural byproduct of our growing in our relationship with Jesus. So my question is, are you growing in your relationship with Jesus? Are, are, you, are you cultivating it? Are you walking with him? 
Here's another question. What or who do you trust? What or who do you, do you trust? We trust all kinds of things on a daily basis, right? You, you trusted that pew to hold you up when you plopped down in it earlier, right? You didn't even give it a second thought. We trust, all kind, we trust all kinds of people, all kinds of information. We trust all kinds of things that aren't true. And if we're going to serve the God of truth, who's the standard of truth and faithfulness and goodness, isn't he what we should trust the most? And is he in your life what you trust the most? Trust is the, the foundation of every relationship. So, so this knowledge of knowing that he is perfectly good and will never let us down and all that kind of stuff, that should be a faith builder for us to know that we can trust him above anything else, above our own thoughts or experiences or biases, political parties, hello, money, relationships, even our own feelings we can't trust. Because everything else is broken. Everything else lies to us. The truth of his word is the truth in our lives and we can, we can depend on it. Here's in fact, the big idea today is this. Absolute truth is worthy of radical trust. Absolute truth. If we really believe that God is who he says he is, that he can do what he says he can do, that he's completely faithful, he can't let us down, he can't lie to us, he can't disappoint us. If we really believe that, shouldn't that lead then to radical trust in him, like complete trust? in him and the truth of his word. Not, not what I think, what I feel, what I see in my current circumstances, but the truth of his word is what we're going to trust. Shouldn't that be the, the natural response in us? Radical trust in him, even when it doesn't make sense, even when we can't see it, even when we can't feel it. The best example of this I could find in scripture is, is this prayer that David prays. And this is, this is the stuff that, that life is all about here. You know, David is just feeling like God has abandoned him. We don't know the, the circumstances here of, of his situation. A lot of people think maybe it's when Saul was hunt, hunting him down and trying to kill him. Maybe that's what was going on here. But he, he prays this prayer. And uh, maybe you can identify with, with where David was at. He said, oh, Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, oh Lord, my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying we've defeated him. Don't let them rejoice in my downfall. And then look what happens. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. Now, what, what happened here? What, what happened between those two sentences? What happened in the middle of his prayer to change his mind all of a sudden? Like, I think we can assume that his, his circumstance didn't just suddenly change in the middle of his prayer. So what changed? His, his perspective changed. His per, he reminded himself of God's goodness. He reminded himself of God's unfailing love. And it just, it changed everything for him. 
It's like it, it sucked the wind right out of his circumstances and right out of just the, the fear and the anxiety and just that, that nagging feeling he had of despair. He was like, look, I don't understand. I don't know where you went. I don't know what you're doing. I'm freaking out a little bit. But I, I trust in the truth of, of who he is and what he is. Because we, we, we've got to learn how to do that in our daily lives. We have opportunities to do this on a daily basis. We, we have to bring our lives and our thoughts, our, our, our emotions even, underneath the, the truth of God and his character and the truth of God's word. 2 Corinthians 10 says to, to take each thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. That just means we think stuff that's messed up and that's wrong that drags us away from truth. And he said, take it captive, make it obedient to the truth. And then Romans 12 talks about how we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Like we read about earlier, getting the truth of God's word in our minds and our thoughts. It changes the way we think. It changes the way we behave. It changes the way we respond in, in all kinds of different situations and relationships. That's what life is, is about. And it comes from this relationship with God, God's care, his love for his children. It's, it's like the sun, it's constant. And just because it goes behind the clouds doesn't mean it's not there. He, he loves you. If you hear nothing else today, hear me say this. He loves you more than you could ever comprehend. And he, he doesn't just say it to you. He showed it. First John chapter four. I love this. It says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. This is, this is huge. He loved us so much, like for God so loved the world, right? Not just the world, not just us, but, but you individually. He loved you so much, wanted a relationship with you. But we can't have a relationship with God because of our, our sin. Our sin separates us from God. We, we have a sin problem. So, so God sent Jesus to, to prove he loves us. He sent Jesus as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Jesus came to be that perfect sacrificial lamb. He, he took our sin and shame and all that on himself and he died. He rose again three days later. Also, we could have an opportunity to, to, to take that gift that he's offering us of, of grace, mercy, forgiveness of our sins, salvation, a relationship with God here on earth, here and now, but also the promise of eternal life with him in heaven. I don't know where you are in your relationship with God, Maybe you know you don't have one. Maybe you're not even sure. You can be sure today. There's no reason to question it. Make sure today. All you've got to do is, is put your faith in what Jesus did for you on the cross, not the good stuff you do or your church attendance or, you know, hoping you're just a good enough person to get into heaven one day or whatever. But acknowledging before God, God, I'm, I'm a sinner. I've missed the mark. 
I'm not perfect. Your standard is perfect. So God, I put my faith in Jesus and what he did for me on the cross. And when that happens, you, your sins are forgiven. Past, present, future. You're, you're a new creation, scripture tells us, born again. The old is gone, the new has come. And you, you can start this relationship with God where day by day by day, you get to glimpse a little bit more of who he is and start to grow and mature. And you're promised eternity with him in heaven. We use this language a lot, but we're, we're a family. This, this is a family. We're a church family. And if you're making that decision today or you want to even just talk more about it, figure out, you know, how you're feeling about different things, we'd love to know. The easiest way to, to let us know is on our app. Fill out the connect form. Let us know. We want to help you grow in your relationship with God. That's what life is all about. We were created for this relationship and everything else in your life that you give any attention to, everything else won't satisfy you. It'll leave you feeling empty, unfulfilled. This is the thing we have to get right. And I, I don't know about you, but I love, I love this stuff, this stuff. I love learning more about God. I didn't go to seminary. I didn't go to, you know, some Bible college or take classes of learning scripture or whatever. So, so I'm, some of this stuff I'm discovering myself for the, for the first time. And we could study this all day, every day for the rest of our lives and never even scratch the surface of what God is and who he is and what he's all like. He's just so big. And that shouldn't even be discouraging for us. It should be encouraging because we know that no matter what, there's always more of God to be had. There's always more of God to experience than we're experiencing. And the more clearly I see him and the more clearly I just understand who he is and his character, the more I want to worship him. I want to follow him. You know, I don't know what you've been through. Maybe you're going through something difficult. We, we all go through stuff, right? Pain. I've been through some stuff. I've been lied to and betrayed by people I love the most. I've been lied about. I've been treated unfairly by, by Christians even. Can you imagine? I've been hurt by churches and pastors. And I've even at times questioned my faith, questioned God and his plan. But through all of, the, all of that, I've learned to trust, even when it doesn't make sense. And maybe especially when it doesn't make sense, learn to trust, not in my feelings or my circumstances, but the truth of God and who he is and what he's all about. I've learned to, to see God more clearly as I've gotten to know him and spent time with him. And, and it's changed my perspective, right? Just like David, we read in Psalm 13, I can say, and you can say that, that we trust you know, we, we can wail and moan and we can shake our fist at God and, and you might as well, right? He knows you feel it. You might as well be honest with him. You can pray an angry prayer, you know, but at the end of the day, we, we can trust, right? Like David did that we can trust in his unfailing love. We can rejoice because God rescued us. We can sing to the Lord because he is good to us. He is, and he always has been, and he always will be. There's nothing that's going to change that. El Imuna, the God of truth. 
That's who we serve. That's who we follow. That's who we need to get to know. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for the, the truth of your word. And thank you for just how amazing you are, that, that you love us perfectly, that you, you, you are completely faithful and good. And you won't let us down. You won't turn your back on us. You won't disappoint us. God, there's nothing else in our life, no other relationship that we can say that about. It's you. So God, I pray no matter where we are in our walk with you, that, that we would learn what it means to walk with you and to have a relationship and to talk to you and to read your word and to start changing the way we think. God, we, we, we want to see you more clearly. And that's not going to happen on accident. So God, give us a desire for your word and for prayer. We want to know you more. And so as we sing now, God, we, we want to do it like, like David did, that we would sing your praises because of how faithful you are, because of how good you are. Not as some uh, mindless reading of the, the lyrics or because that's what we do in this part of the service as we sing. No, but we would sing out of the overflow of our hearts, God, that as we're confronted with the truth of who you are, the, the only response we can have is humility and gratitude and just sincere worship in spirit and in truth. And so God, that's what we do in this moment. We, we acknowledge who you are and what you are, good and faithful and true. And we worship you for it. We love you, God, in your name. Amen.